Welcome to Future Charlotte, the podcast where we talk about the issues, trends, and people shaping the future of our city. Our guest today is Roger Stacks, president, CEO, and owner of Preferred Parking. Roger, thanks for joining us. Sure, sure. Glad to be here. So first, let's just have a little basic bio. Tell me about yourself, who you are, how long you've been in Charlotte, what you do, and how you came to this. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm one of those rare Charlotteans born and bred, went to Charlotte Country Day School and on Chapel Hill, got a degree in economics, graduated, started off literally just a few months after graduation. The market wasn't as good as you might expect in 83. So I started working selling computers and then I decided, yeah, that may not be the best choice for me. So I started working at Friendly Parking Service which we had in parking lots. It was a family business at then. And so I basically started working there. We had 10 locations in 84. And by 1988, we had 41 and just started growing that business. And so I've been in parking my whole life and um, from, you know, 10, 12 years old forward, uh, working part-time over the summers. And so I understood the business, understood the business model. And it's changed dramatically since then, if you can imagine. Yeah, it seems like uh, like everything has, and I'm sure parking has as much as anything else. So right. that was kind of the start. Tell me about your company now, your scale, your scope, what you do, and what services you provide, how how big you are. Give me those kind of basic facts. Sure, sure. Uh, we're based in Charlotte. We have about 125 locations in Charlotte. We have 200 plus across the state. We just added... Tampa, Florida uh, last week. We'll, we'll be starting there July 1st. We're looking at other markets in other states. Um, we have 47 garages and right at 41,000 parking spaces now. And we're looking at growing into uh, Tennessee, into Indianapolis, and and maybe some other states that are close by. So basically we're a, a Southeast company, but um, we've done a lot over the, over the past year. Um, you know, COVID you know, threw us a curveball as it did everybody. And so April, it appeared in April of 2020 that business, you know, ground to a halt. And ours did also. Nobody came downtown. So we just pivoted and, and moved into consulting. You know, developers were actually calling me and asking if, if we could give them a hand trying to analyze and ascertain what the parking ratios would be in their either their residential development, their office development, mixed-use development. So we assisted them and really just grew that business model. Yeah, let's, uh, let's jump right into that. Tell me about what you've seen since COVID started, uh, what effect that's had on your business. You know, myself and most people I know stopped commuting. Um, right. right. The, I whole I, I don't know how I'm going to start commuting again. I feel like I've yeah. feel like I've gone feral. Yeah. Um, yeah. So tell me, you know, what that looked like from your perspective, what you saw in the business and what did it feel like to see, you know, this kind of cornerstone of what your business is built on go away for a while? Right, right. You know, that was actually a, um, a scary time for a, a lot of people. You know, one of the things I did, uh, the NBA canceled their season back in early March of 2020, as, as you might recall. And so by March 16th, um, I got my laptop and I, I went home also. And I worked from home for 
almost a year. And during that time frame, though, what we did is that we initially, as I think most people thought that COVID was a temporary little, you know, setback and we'd all be back at work within 60 days, 90 days. Well, that didn't happen. And so during during the period, you know, all of the developers that were looking to construct, you know, you know, their towers, their residential tower, their commercial tower, their mixed use development, they all assumed that it was a temporary setback. And I think they were right. Um, it was temporary. It ended up being longer than any of us thought. And so, you know, in the meantime, uh, you know, people that had monthly parking spaces, many of them, you know, decided they didn't want to continue paying for that. And so we lost some of that, you know, some of that recurring business income. But we also pivoted and moved more to the, you know, daily transient parking side, right? And so that's really picked up a lot in the last six months or so. And so um, the business was down probably 45, 80%, uh, some locations 80%, some about 30, some 40. It averaged at about 48% as, a, as an income, you know, reduction for us. So we, you know, had to look at all the expenses. We had to you know, try to minimize those that we could. And we just, you know, moved out of that. And, and we're grateful that, that it appears that activity starting, you know, to pick back up, which started really, you know, back in January, but it's been kind of off and on since then, um, since the first of this month and actually the first of May, it really has, you know, really increased in particular, you know, areas. If you have a vibrant nightlife and your parking location isn't, you know, near that or next door to that, then that location is doing well. Some of the office towers, uh, most of the business commuter traffic is not there yet, but we do think that that they will come back soon, right? But you know, people that you know wait until the last minute to you know register for their monthly parking space, they may be disappointed that there's going to be we've seen a large uptick just in the past. I don't know, four weeks of monthly parkers who want to renew their parking models with. So, so um, you know, I do think that the business is coming back. It's been a little slower in, in the return from what we would like to see, but it's very promising. So backing up a little bit to a higher level, how does the business work? I mean, is, is the bulk of what you do um, in Charlotte monthly contracts, um, event work, you know, transient? Kind of talk me through for people out there who aren't in the world of parking every day. How does it work? Because everyone's seen your signs. I mean, preferred parking signs are everywhere in Charlotte. But right. behind the scenes, what are you doing to actually manage everything? Right. Um, so we own some of the some of the locations that you see those signs, right? We also manage many of those for, for other ownership groups. And so what we do is offer daily parking, which is transient parking, right? So you can park for an hour. You can park for 20 minutes. You can park all day. Um, we offer event parking um, for obviously the Panthers for concerts, um, for the Hornets at, at the arena. Um, we also have monthly parking contracts and each of our facilities, we offer both of those. So you can choose the monthly space, right? Which is a discount from paying the transient rate every day. So, you know, we're looking also at offering a flex monthly pass, have not implemented that yet. However, we're you know, looking at offering a 10-day pass for folks that may want to move and pivot to a, to a flexible 
um, model where they work only you know two days a week in the office, three days at home, or we just don't know which days those will be the you know which days will be the busiest of those days. So we're thinking Tuesday through Thursday will be the days that most folks would you know um, you know opt to be in in their offices. Yeah, I think I'm going to be definitely pursuing that in my personal life, uh, Fridays, right. not driving right. in. Um, but tell me a little bit more about what you're seeing now that we're in this space where things are starting to come back. The banks, the largest employers um, in uptown are saying they're bringing people back. I think I've heard by September, by Labor Day. Mm-hmm. A lot of offices uh, are mm-hmm. using July 6th as a date. Some have already started coming back. What does it look like now? And and more importantly, maybe you mentioned this a little bit, but what does it look like going forward? What is what is the future going to be, um, and how might that look different? Yeah, um, well, I don't think everybody knows what exactly that landscape will be, but we suspect that we'll see a lot more flex time, right? So we're going to see some some folks that would work only Tuesdays, Thursdays, and the real question that they that each of those individuals have to you know, think about is, do I opt to get a you know, monthly pass, or do I just pay whatever the rate is for those days? I do think that COVID, one of the lessons from COVID was that personalized transport will continue to be the dominant form of transportation. I mean, you know, Charlotte doesn't have some of the, you know, the most vibrant mass transit options. The um, light rail is, is a great option, but there's only two cars, right, on the south side. So, it's a little more limited in terms of, of the numbers of people that can be accommodated there. So we think that uh, the individual, you know, uh, mode of transportation will be the main um, part, you know, moving forward. And so what we don't know is how many of those folks will actually work five days a week, four days a week, or even two days a week. But I do think that people will move back to, you know, to their respective offices and you know the collaboration that all of us have had via Zoom, and you know those you know, Microsoft Teams and those kinds of um, programs has has been great. But you do miss the collaboration. Um, you lose some of the communication ability when you're not in the, in an office. So all those things I think are, are going to contribute to I think a full recovery. Um, and we think that'll probably happen by the end of this year. And so let's let's look at uh, some of the earlier changes too, because you mentioned you've been in this space your whole life, and right. I know obviously since the '80s there's been tons of changes and everything. What did this industry look like when you got into it? And you know, pre-COVID, what were some of the the biggest changes that you've seen over your career already? Yeah, um, one of the things that you can obviously imagine is parking rates have gone up a little bit. So there's a particular location that I like to, uh, I like to mention, the Third and Poplar Street, which is just about a block and a half from my office. And back in the '80s, I was a dollar twenty-five, and then it moved. Dollar seventy-five a day, which was an unheard of expensive, you know, parking option, and that particular lot is now sixteen dollars a day. So the seven hundred percent increase um, in parking rates in some locations has has been what what you know has really happened over the years. However, the monthly parking space has not gone up quite as much as the transient rates have. So once again, folks that want to, you know you know, look at simply paying the, you know, daily rate, 
uh, or end up paying more per usage than folks that decide to get the monthly space. So rates have gone up. Um, one of the key things that's happened over the years is that technology has really taken over the parking industry. So you might recall um, back in the 80s, even the 90s, um, there these cash boxes, right? And these meter boxes were numbered and they correspond with numbers on the ground that were stenciled on the asphalt, right? And so you had to fold up your dollars and put them inside this little slot box, hoping that you got the right number and you wouldn't get a ticket, right, for not paying. I remember so, that, sure. Yeah. So, so those are now gone. I think we might have one location still that uses that. And I think it's in Winston-Salem. But, you know, over the years now, you know, credit card has become the dominant form of payment. In fact, we're opening garages that are just credit card only. We don't offer cash as an option. Payment by cell phone, right? Um, if you download uh, either Park Mobile app, um, Passport, Parking Chirp, there's so many different apps that you can download that you can pay for your parking and all you have to do is just have a, a cell phone. So do you think COVID has accelerated a lot of those trends? Because it seems like everywhere went contact-free, cashless, that just kind of yes. know, zoomed up. Yeah, I, I think it has. And I think that um, LPR technology is really going to really become the dominant form um, in Europe. Is that which, uh, license plate readers? Correct, um, license plate recognition. And so um, in, in Europe, um, probably five years from now, that will, you know, we, the U.S. trails the trends in, in Europe about three to four to five years. And so LPR, uh, most of the garages there are almost all LPR. There, there, are, there are, are, are no gates, right? There's no ticket dispenser that you grab a ticket when you come in. And so you just pull in. Now, you have to pay that, right? Because your license plate is like, it's on camera, right? So there's an enforcement piece with that. But um, I do think that LPR will become a more dominant form of, of, of parking control in the, in the future. Yeah, I know at, uh, at UNC Charlotte, that's what uh, the garages mm -hmm. operate on. And right. um, yeah, they got rid of the actual physical passes and right. all that stuff. It's a great system. Yeah, it, it works really well and, you know, it's funny, the, I imagine your world is full of a lot of the little details that right. people don't think about that often. But I was recently looking at parking passes and you know my car only has a, a back license plate uh, like right. most in North Carolina. And right. you know there were a lot of rules about how you can park and how you need a special right. exception if you wanna park front in, um, back in, facing right. out. And it's, I imagine your world has a lot of those little things that most people don't think about too often. That's right. You've, you've just got to know to make the parking work. That's right. That's right. So I think parking is really interesting because it's a necessity. Everyone loves it when they get a good space. But at the same time, people don't love parking. They're always afraid of tickets. You know, the people mm -hmm. are always grumbling about costs. And then um, among urbanists, parking gets a bad rap. There's always discussions about the need to develop and surface lots and, and that sort of thing. You know, what, what's your take on that? And what's what's your take when you hear, you know, complaints about parking and people talking down about parking? Right, right. You know, parking is a supply and demand business. That's that's all it is. And people appreciate having access to a convenient space, as you just mentioned. And so a convenient space always costs money. And 
for a developer, for an investor to build a parking space as a really as a form of convenience for a, um, an office user, for a retail user, um, there should be a, a return for that. So the free market is always the best method to really determine what that rate really should be. So what we do is that we, we conduct you know, market studies of, of different garage rates, different parking rates. And so we um, try to land on a rate that's competitive, that's you know, within that market. Um, cities that don't um, uh, like to subsidize parking in an uptown area, um, those cities are simply not as vibrant as those that allow the free market because there's many reasons for that. One of those reasons is, you know, simply that investor group will look invest in areas where there are no price caps, where there are no subsidies. And so in those, in those situations, um, you have a more vibrant development that serves, you know, all of the, all of the parking needs. So as you also mentioned, parking um, is a necessity and, you know, parking, you know, really dominates much of, of the developments, even though it's a secondary consideration. Um, hours that don't have, you know, designated and secured parking are always at a disadvantage when it, when it comes to leasing their office space, when it comes to leasing their retail space. The first question that most of the office users ask is, where can I park? Where can my staff park? Where do our customers park? Where do our, our clients park? So those are important questions, and they're best always answered by the free market. And I know there have been some developers looking at um, car-free developments in Charlotte. Uh, I think only apartments, right. not um, right. not office yet. Um, you know, what, what's your take on that? Are we ready as a city to start moving towards that kind of thing? Or um, I think that that would be very interesting development. I have read that too. Um, there has to be some form of, of mass transit along that development to be able to offer that. Um, I do think that in a residential development, that it's important to assess some type of fee for that space. Quite often, most apartment um, ownership groups will you know, lease you know, their apartment unit and include the parking space. And if there's no fee for that space, inevitably over time taken for granted. And since that happens, instead of having one space per unit, it ends up being 1.5 spaces per unit because parking is an afterthought and it's not you know, tightly monitored. And so it's something that's just taken for granted. So parking control should always be, you know, part of what um, any, any, you know, developer looks at doing. So you mentioned that during COVID, you've been doing consulting and talking with developers about, mm -hmm. you know, what the future looks like, what changes might happen, how they're going to park places in the future. Mm -hmm. What can you tell me about that? What's that space been like to be in uh, during this weird last year and a half? And what have you been what have you been talking about? Well, that's a that's a, that's a great question. Um, you know, one of the first calls that that we received were developers looking to build residential towers, right? And so, one of their biggest, you know, questions was how many parking spaces do I really really need to build for this development? And so, city codes offer you know, say, one point two five spaces per unit. And so, what we did is that we looked at actual user rates at the garages that we operated. And we said the actual user rate can be lower than that. 
And so you don't need to build as much. So, so we can save, we have, have saved developers money by saying you don't need to build 500 parking space. You can get by with 410. So those, those kind of, you know, those kind of changes, I think have helped them uh, as they look at their development. And I, I think we save them money because of that. It's really um, an arena where I imagine there's a lot more data than there used to be. Mm-hmm. If you go back to the days you were talking about when things were all paper bills and coins and, and all right. that, what is, I mean, what does the amount of data look like now and, and how has that changed some of the industry? data, meaning the amount of... Yeah, just what you know about, you know, customers and usage mm-hmm. and rates. Mm-hmm. I mean, I imagine you've got an incredible array of spreadsheets uh, sitting yeah. somewhere that Hopefully you probably didn't have more. in the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a great point. Probably, I'm not sure how many thousand Excel spreadsheets we have, but you are right that we're tracking... And this, this data just just comes in droves, and so uh, we look at the average stay. We look at the average average departure rate for residents, right? The average number of folks that don't move their vehicles, right? The average that, that move their vehicles, you know, between seven and nine a.m. And then again from four to six p.m. So all of the, all of those you know, user rates, with that, you know, we've looked at, and we have documentation on that. In terms of office towers, um, we can you know, help ownership groups, you know, decide, you know, what is what is the ratio they need for each of their office users, right? So, so all of those things I think have been helpful. And what are some other technologies? You mentioned some things like LPR, contactless, cell phone-based payments. I mean, there's a lot of futuristic talk going on right now. Even at Charlotte City Council, you have members talking about flying cars and are we going to need roads in the future because, you know, everything's going to be delivered by drone and air taxi. So I feel I feel like we're in this weird moment right now where there's a lot of really futuristic ideas that are being discussed by kind of more serious down-to-earth people. Um, like I just read a, a long feature story in the New York Times last week about flying cars and startups that are actually doing doing that what do you think uh, is on the horizon technology wise anything else and anything that you really think about in that kind of future space you know that's a good question I you know that's something that um, is obviously years away if if not decades away and and so you know we really try to focus on the next five to ten years and what we think the model is, is going to look like and so I, th- I do think flying cars is is something that that um, might occur but I don't think that's something will happen in the next couple of years and so you know the things that are that are, that are more relevant to us are the convenient methods um, that you know folks would like to see for example is there an on-site station that takes my credit card, my debit card, can I pay that way? Can I pay with, with my cell phone? Can I text my cell phone to extend my parking stay? We have all of that technology now. And that's really, I think, um, will be the dominant form over the next over the next few years. We have seen a pretty uh, market increase in EVs, right? So electric vehicles are going to become more and more dominant. And we do think that Probably by 2030, we might see 25 of all vehicles that are that way, and maybe even sooner than that. So we're looking at building charging stations at many of our garages. And you know, what we don't know yet is, is how quickly the 1% to 2% now that's out there will become 20% or 25%. 
So that is definitely in our our future. Um, the flying cars may not be quite as immediate. But when they are, I bet you'll find a way to park them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, parking is really uh, a storage. I mean, we, we pay storage for our furniture and for stuff at, you know, Morningstar and other storage places, right? Well, you know, vehicles are the very same thing. Well, as we get close to wrapping up here, um, there's always one question I like to end with, which is, you know, if you had a magic wand, you could change anything about parking, transportation, whatever it might be in Charlotte and in your industry, uh, what would you change and, and why? Wow. That's, a, that's another good question. <laughs> um, you know, one of the things that, that we um, can't really do much about is street traffic, right? So at 5.01 p.m., when five or, five or six or seven garages empty within 30 or 45 minutes onto one intersection, there are some significant traffic delays. And I'm not sure there's a lot that we can do about that. But there isn't, I don't know of, of a magic wand that um, we could use to, you know, to fix those kinds of things. Well. I suppose if the flying cars ever happen, maybe that will be uh, something yeah, maybe that that's has it. an effect on that. <laughs> maybe that's it, yeah. <laughs> well, Roger, thank you for your time. Where can people find out more about your company and as they get ready to return to their offices, book their parking? Yeah, sure. Um, that's That's our website. And you can click on the city that you, you would like to look at, right? And you can offer monthly parking there. Um, our web address uh, for information is info at preferredparking.com. And we'd love to hear from everybody. Great. Well, thank you so much. And I hope you have a great rest of the day. Bye. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us on the Future Charlotte podcast, produced by me, Eli Portillo, at the UNC Charlotte Urban Institute. Keep looking to the future, Charlotte.